This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, so I'm continuing on a, on a series um, called He Who Overcomes. And last week I shared about the, the love of this church. So this is the messages to the seven churches in, in the book of Revelation. Jesus spoke to John the Apostle. And uh, he had these, these hectic messages, he, but he first commends them, then he said, guys, I have this against you. And then he holds before them a reward of something that they, they that he holds something beautiful before them, inviting them to come higher. And so uh, last week, Sunday, Sunday evening, we had an awesome Holy Spirit night here. It was just really beautiful, it was powerful. And, and just during worship, I felt, I saw like a picture in my mind's eye, which you call a vision if it's of the Holy Spirit. But I saw like these massive doors in heaven opening up, like the throne room of God opening up. And I, and I, I had this impression of God inviting us to, to, come in, to, to come before Him. I saw like this, the throne of God, the presence of God there. And I feel that's what the Lord is saying to us right now. He's opening the doors of heaven. He's, he's opening new dimensions to us in the Spirit. And He's calling us, He's inviting us to come higher. And I, I saw also in this throne room, I saw these tables on the side. And I had this impression of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit were on these tables. And as we just come for God, as we just want to be with the living God... It's like so, sort of like on your way out, just grab everything you need to uh, see the kingdom of God come on the earth. And I, and I believe that's what the Lord is wanting to call us into. And, and I've been experiencing this over the last while. I just feel like there's just, you see, in, in, in every challenge the Lord gives us, He wants to call us into a higher dimension. So today I want to I wanna share with you about raising the standard. Raising the standard. In your own life so that you can move in the fullness of God. So uh, I shared some about this last week as well. And, and I, I got another one of these. But over the last seven years or so, I've seen, I've experienced in my own life, moving in every single gift of the Holy Spirit. All nine. That you find in 1 Corinthians 12. So that's good news. Because some people believe God doesn't work anymore. All nine. And the one thing the Lord has been highlighting in me over the last month or so, or few months is to, to, when I pray in tongues, which is my spirit praying to God by the power of the spirit, I would get different languages, human languages that I don't know. So I shared one last week, Sunday, but I've now prayed by the Holy Spirit. I've spoken in Spanish, Hebrew, Filipino, Osa, Zulu, Sutu, Sesutu. And then, um, and then on, on Thursday I was praying and I, I was saying this word over and over again, ndako. Guys, I don't know these languages. I'm clueless, eh? Ek sê Afrikaner sienkie. Okay. As ons begin sing, ons lig ons hande, dan wil ek net. Woohoo! Lekker in Afrikaans in ons London. Okay, but, so, so I'm, I'm getting ndako, ndako, ndako. Thursday morning, just praying, I'm just saying ndako. Ndako, Ndako. So I go into Google Translate and I type in Ndako. And it says in, um, they speak it in Zimbabwe. What's that called again? Shona. Shona. 
So Ndako is a Shona word that means I am. And I was just feeling God prophetically saying, I am. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your savior. I am. I was like, yes, Jesus. Our God is real. And his heart is burning for every nation, every tongue on the face of the earth. And I feel like the Lord is saying, even as I am speaking different human languages supernaturally, or just words or sometimes a sentence, I feel God is saying, my heart is burning for the nations. My heart is burning for the nations, for every language, for every tongue. And we see this in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. What happened? They spoke in human languages supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Good news. Our God is real. Our God is alive. Our God's heart, His heart of love is burning for every person on the face of the earth. And He loves you and He wants to speak your language. So on Thursday evening, we went to Frey Hospital, and, and I just so felt the presence of God as, as we went in there to go pray for some people. We, we had some awesome encounters. So the one, I went into the, into the one uh, ward or the one room there, and there was a, a young man, 20 years old, Anele, lovely young man. It was four of us. We team tackled him by, with the love of God. So we... Started to speak to him, and God started to give us prophetic words of his life that you know, he feels like a failure, but he's not. He's, his kidneys are giving in, so he's getting this treatment for his kidneys. And as we were just speaking to him, the tears started to run down his face. It was just like God ministering to this young man. And his arm, since Saturday last week, his arm uh, received, he got an infection in his arm, so he couldn't really move his fingers or hand or close it, and he couldn't lift his arm. And, and so we prayed with him, and the power and the presence of God came down. So all the pain left his arm. He moved the hand, lifted his arm. There were five Ethiopians next, next to him. Sounds like the start of a joke. The five Ethiopians <laughs> next door. And so after he got healed, because they knew, because they were with him, the, the, the Ethiopian guy had malaria and his family were there. And so this guy was, this young man was raising his hand, arm and saying, he's healed, he's healed, you know. And uh, so we had the privilege of praying with the Ethiopians as well and blessing them. But this young man gave his life to Jesus. Tears running down his face. He had a real, I mean, you sometimes you feel like you're not sure, but the presence and the power, it was like heaven came down. Right there in that hospital. And, and every time these type of things happen, I'm wondering, God, but what could you do through us? Through each and every one of us. But I feel God is saying he wants to raise the standard. If you want to bring heaven down, you need to go higher. You can't live a life of compromise. I mean, you can, but you're not going to bring down heaven. You're not going to know the power of God. And so the, I want to look at the third church, like the compromised church or the compromising church, the message of Jesus to the compromising church. And he was basically calling them higher. Okay, so I want to pray for us and I'm going to share with how you and I can come higher. Amen. Thank you, Father, that you're holding before us an open heavens. Lord, you are holding before us all the gifts of the Spirit. God, you're holding before us mind-boggling miracles to see lives radically transformed. And so, God, we pray that this morning you'd speak to us, 
And that you would draw us by your Holy Spirit higher. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we, we're living in, a, in an era that uh, this world has never seen before. There's a flood of darkness, a flood of evil that is spreading our world like, like never before. The darkness is getting worse than ever. But the good news is the light is becoming stronger as well. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, over the last 20 years, is the first time in the history of the world that at the click of a button, you can have the worst form, you can access the worst form of pornography. With a click of a button, you can access pornography, the, the vilest, the filthiest rubbish this world has ever seen. You can click it, one click. In the same moment, with one click, you can experience the most glorious prophetic worship that rocks your world. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Darkness or light. And, and, and so there's this massive contrast and at the same time this temptation of, of which way are we going to go? Which way are we going to go? It might not be pornography, but it might just be worldliness. Feeding our flesh with the things of this world and becoming passive and dull in our senses and no longer on fire for God. It's just this, this contrast between accessing the light that rocks your world or the darkness that pulls you down to hell, to torment, to pain, to disappointment. And, and sometimes you want to, when you, when you, when you look at the darkness, you want to lose hope. When you look at all the darkness, you want to say, God, is it possible for you to, 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 to bring the biggest revival that this world has ever seen? Because I believe it's coming. God is not going to allow what is currently. In the midst of the darkness, He's going to raise up the light like never before. And there's this powerful verse that speaks of this in Isaiah, in Isaiah 59, verse 19. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. So in the midst of all this darkness, in the midst of all the, the rubbish, the rebellion, the, the, the lack of the fear of God among so many people, he says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, when there's this, all this stuff coming against mankind, God is saying, by His Holy Spirit, He's going to raise up a standard. He's going to lift us above all the, all the vileness. You see, it's like, it's like a flood. It's like a flood of evil and the flood waters are lifting higher. But the same moment I, I see this picture of the mountain of God. And the glory of God is at the top of the mountain. And we are on this mountain. And we have the choice to either go higher or to compromise and go lower. Which is it going to be? And then as the flood waters are lifting, it becomes our biggest, most wonderful blessing. It forces you to go higher. You see, temptation is our invitation to move higher into God, to move further into God. Temptation is our invitation. All the things that the enemy, the world is currently throwing at us, you can surrender to it, you can give in to it, you can allow it to destroy your life, or you can say, praise God, let's go higher. 
Let's be more ruthless when it comes to personal holiness because I'm seeing the kingdom come like never before. I'm seeing the power of God manifest like never before. I'm seeing the miracles of God coming to, to, to change lives, but I need to, to choose which way am I going to go. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to succumb to the temptation? Are you going to click on the wrong thing? Go the wrong way? Or are you going to click on the prophetic awesome worship? And worship Jesus. And have your life changed. So I believe right now the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and He's calling us higher. Come on, let's say it. I'm, I'm going higher. Come on, let's go higher. And it all comes, ultimately comes back to the Word of God. Do we believe it? Someone has said, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. But so many are beginning to compromise the Word of God. You see, it's one thing. I mean, we would expect the world to be compromised and corrupt. We shouldn't be surprised when Hollywood dishes up a lot of rubbish, should we? But the issue is not the world. The issue is the church. The issue is the church of Jesus Christ that is compromising. Whole denominations, whole church groups who are compromising the Word of God. If you have watched the news over the last month or two. In this country, it's game over. It's game over to hold denominations. Because they are choosing to exalt man's opinion above the word of God. And it might start small, but ultimately the end is horrific. So I want to take you to this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking to John the Apostle. And then he's speaking to what is called the compromised church. And Jesus is saying, and, the, and to the angel of the church in per- Pergamos, write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. So I was asking myself, Jesus, why are you introducing yourself as the one with a sharp two-edged sword? What does that represent? It represents his word. He's saying, my word is like a sharp two-edged sword, and he's putting his sword over there, and you will hurt, you'll cut yourself if you try to compromise his word. You will hurt yourself. But his word, he's coming with the sword, a sharp sword, and his word is living and powerful, is never changing. It stands. Nations rise and fall. Empires rise and fall. Multinational companies will come and go. Church groups will come and go. But his word will stand. Jesus reigns from heaven forever. And we must decide, are we going to stand with the one whose word will stand forever and ever? Or will we compromise and go down with the rest of time and lose our way? So I was praying about this and the theme is about, but how do you overcome? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, when the word of God reigns in your heart, when the word of God reigns in your life, you will overcome. When God's word is established in your heart and mind, you will overcome. And that's why Jesus stands, starts off by saying, I am the one who has the sharp, two-edged sword, and I'm speaking. And we have these other pictures in the Bible where it says, and the sword of the Lord came from the mouth of Christ. But there's a sword. And then we have in Ephesians 6 verse, verses uh, uh, 10 onwards, it speaks about the, the, the word of God being the sword of the Spirit. His word. And then we see in Jeremiah 1 verse 9, it says, Behold, 
I've put my words in your mouth. Behold, I've put my words, my words in your mouth. And when my word is in your mouth, what would be the result? You will impact your environment. It says there, see, I have this day. Come on, say this day. Set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. To root out and to pull down. To destroy and to throw down. To build and to plant. So this word was originally to Jeremiah the prophet. But I believe that God is saying the same to you and me. He's saying, Man, guys, I'm putting my word in your mouth. And when my word is in your mouth and in your heart and is reigning in your mind. And you proclaim my word over your environment. You will see your environment change. You will overcome. You will overcome when my word is in your mouth. But what happens? Our hearts and our minds are full of everything but the word of God. Especially if you've been watching Marvel comics. Like I have at times. I close my eyes. I want to pray to Jesus. I'm just seeing Spider-Man. I say, stuff off Spider-Man. I want Jesus now. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I found, you know, Temptation is something that every human being wrestles with. All of us wrestle with temptation. All of us at times wrestle with hearts that are divided. All of us struggle with, man, should I follow God or I'm being pulled that way. At the same moment, while Jesus is knocking on the front door of our hearts saying, man, I want to have some intimate, wonderful, epic time with you. Come, I'm calling you. At the same time, the devil is knocking at the back door. Saying, hey, let's have some fun. <laughs> Wanting to pull us away. And I have, at many times in my life, I've tried to, to do a little bit in both sides. Like kingdom and ah, just a little bit on this side also. And I consistently, every single time. Find myself, my heart's divided, I cannot focus on Jesus. I lose my passion, I lose my fire, my faith goes down the tubes. And I'm like, still, but I still want to, I still, it's quite a few movies to cover before Endgame comes, Lord. <laughs> and I, and I realize it's not a sin to watch these things, but I, I find myself, I'm losing my fire, I'm losing my passion, I'm losing, I'm, I'm losing my united heart, and it really honestly sucks. If you have tasted a whole, a united heart, if you've tasted the presence of God, if you've experienced that intimate love with the Lord, then everything else is just like dry, stale bread, and it cannot compare to the living God. And as I said last week, God is calling us right now to a place of just being with Him, just enjoying Him before we do for Him, just be with Him. But we all wrestle with temptation. But how do we respond to it? I really feel the Lord saying, temptation is our invitation to move higher in God. To up the standard. To say, come on, I'm going to be more ruthless. I'm going to read the word of God more. I'm going to worship more. I'm going I'm to passionately pursue God more than ever before. Because sometimes we think the Bible say, only the only thing the Bible is saying is don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Now, if you, if you focus on that, man, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that. It's not a, a good space to be in. It's not, it's not how you live an overcoming life. It should be, what, what should I do? How should I live? 
How should I focus my energy and my passion? Because you've got passion. The question is just where are you going to spend it? Are you going to spend it on something that will bring fulfillment and reward? Or will you spend it on something that will just leave you empty in the end? It's like, ah. I believe God, by His Holy Spirit, is calling us higher. The Lord is calling us higher. Here's another word, John, 1 John 2 verse 14. It says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You've treasured the word of God. You have embraced the word of God. You've made it part of your heart and your mind. And it says, you have overcome the wicked one. You've overcome and you will overcome. You see, you and I, we are weak. But the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. So we're not denying our weakness. We're not denying our humanness. We're not denying our fallenness, in a sense, and our tendency to slide down the mountain instead of moving up. We're not denying it. But in God, we are strong. Come on, let's say it. I am strong. In God. And so temptation and the struggles with sin and temptation, it is actually a reminder to you and me. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. God, I need you. Help me. Lift me higher. But how do we normally respond? Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I battling? Why am I being tempted? Oh, my God. I can't even, I, how could that thought go through my head? Bad Christian. And I feel like a dog. Bad Christian. No, the bad thought is not the sin. The sin is when we embrace it and we run with it. And we go down the mountain and find ourselves in a bad space. Temptation is everybody gets tempted. So don't be surprised when the, when the enemy comes. Let's continue. Verse 13. Jesus speaking to the, to the church. Revelation 2.13. It says, I know your works. Again, Jesus knows everything. He sees how, what we do. He sees our hearts. And, and he says, and I, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. So he's saying, man, Satan's throne, there's a real enemy and his throne is right there. Now, if you speak to most pastors, doesn't matter which little town they come from, they're going to tell you, man, the gates of hell are right here. It's a tough place, eh? It's a tough place. And I say, no, no, there's no place tough for Jesus. Amen. God can do anything at any place at any time. But, but Jesus is saying there's a real adversary. And there was this, this, this altar called uh, the altar of, of Pergamos. And there was some horrible stuff that was done there. And at the same time, they, at the, 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 they were pressured into worshiping the Caesar. They were emperor worship. And they would literally drag the Christians before the leaders and then they'll challenge them. Recant, turn away from Christ, worship the emperor or die. And many died. And I'm sure some recanted, turned away from Christ. And Jesus said, guys, well done. You have not turned away from your faith. You have not turned away. You've been faithful. But he speaks about Satan. Satan is the adversary. And this adversary comes as one of his names is the tempter. You see, the enemy cannot bring destruction into a Christian's life. The moment you commit your life to Jesus, he washes you clean by his precious blood, and the enemy has no legal access to your life. So even with Jesus, when, the, when Satan appeared to him in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, Satan knew that he couldn't touch Jesus, couldn't do anything to him. So what did he do? He tempted him. Jesus, 
How about this? How about this? Because he knew if he could just get Jesus to disobey God, then the enemy has legal access into his life. And it's the same way today. The enemy is nothing. He, he has no access to our lives unless you purposefully disobey God. And you don't turn back. You don't repent to God. Forgive me my sins. Lord, forgive me. Wash me clean. He wants to wash us clean. He does not condemn or, 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 or point us away. But the enemy can only get in. And he, that's why he comes and he tempts to pull us down. So John chapter 10 Verse 10 speaks about this. And I see it like this. You know those fairy tales where the wicked witch comes to the young girl, but she knocks on the door and she looks like an old lady, innocent lady, and she holds the apple. Hey, honey. How about a bite? And, and in the moment, it looks so tempting, it looks so good. You're like... I don't know why I really want to eat it. I know there's poison in it, but I really want to eat it. <laughs> there's poison in it, and she eats, and, and then it plays out. And same way, the enemy comes, and it comes to tempt us to disobey God. Because when you disobey God, then the thief comes into play. It says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. How does he steal, kill, and destroy? He uses temptation. Because they know we all have weakness, we all have vulnerabilities, we all have areas where, where he can come and knock. Each one of us, the areas that you are tempted in will not be the same as a person sitting next to you. But he comes and he knocks, and he comes and he holds, and he comes and wants to draw away. Because he knows the moment you take it and you go down that path, then he steals your joy. And he steals your peace. And now you're in a bad space. Like, Where am I going to find peace and joy? So now you start looking in all the wrong places and you go down the slippery path. So then he starts to kill because that's what happens when we sin. Ultimately, it causes death to our spirit, senses death to our spirit, and we go down this path, ultimately destruction. What the enemy wants to do is to steal your joy, steal your peace, fill you with his darkness, and then use you to hurt the people around you. How many husbands or wives have hurt one another? When they've lost their peace, lost their joy, gone down a path, enemy comes and then we hurt one another. That's what the enemy wants. You need to know his schemes. You need to know his tricks. And I shared at this wedding yesterday, you, you, you cannot have peace in your marriage unless you first have peace with God. You cannot have peace in your relationships unless you have peace in God. Many people lack this peace and therefore they don't have that peace. So the enemy tempts. And he wants to draw us away. So let's continue. Verse 14. Revelation 2 verse 14. And now Jesus gets serious. Now he says, but I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And someone's thinking, what? The what? Stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So what does... A compromised church look like. It is when we, the word compromise is to simply aim a little bit lower. It's to accept a lower standard. That's compromise. That was the standard, but now we're aiming a little bit lower, not much. One, one degree down, we're just compromising a little bit. What does a compromised church look like? It's a church that only speaks the word that people want to hear. Because to, 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 we're so afraid that people aren't going to be happy. 
A compromised church looks like a church where, where we bow to the pressure of the world. Because we forgot that Jesus said, uh, you will be hated for my name's sake. If the, if the world likes us too much, maybe we're doing something wrong. Wouldn't you say? But the Lord is saying, guys, I don't like, you, you, you've downgraded, you've compromised in with this doctrine, this is doctrine of Balaam. I'll explain that in a moment. But imagine this for a moment. The captain of the airplane, Jesus, says to you, okay, you're the co-pilot. He says to you, okay, right, we are flying to Bloemfontein. That's the direction you need to go. Let's go. And you decide, man, I'm just going to veer off one degree. It's not a lot. Just one degree off. Okay, so if you hit Bloemfontein, you'll be out by about 9.2 kilometers. Now, if you go to Nairobi, which is about in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, you'll be out about 70 kilometers. You'll miss your mark by 70 kilometers. If you're traveling from East London around the globe back to East London, you'll be out about 700 kilometers. You'll hit just north of Durban. One degree, and as time progresses, the impact gets worse. So if you were going for the sun, you'll miss the sun by 2.58 million kilometers. As time passes, minimal compromise leads to massive compromise. You might be aiming for heaven, but you might hit hell. <sighs> Ultimately. When you're one degree off 20 years later, you might miss what you were aiming at. So what was the doctrine of Balaam? Now, Balaam was asked by Balak in the Old Testament, book of Numbers. Balak um, was, was a Moabite, and the Israelites were huge numbers, and he was terrified of them. And he, they couldn't stop them. They were too strong. So ba Balak asked Balaam to come and curse Israel. So he took him up on a high mountain, and a whole lot of blood sacrifices. And then he had to curse Israel. And every time he was... One, he said, I can only say what God tells me to say. Every time we just speak blessing. He could not curse. Ba Balak was freaking out. Stop it, man. You're blessing them. And the Bible says it so clearly. No man can curse those whom God has blessed. Amen. So we're not afraid. We're not afraid of people who want to curse us. We're not afraid of Satanists. They can try. I mean, I share the stories of people that have been here and said, oh, there's like a wall of fire around this church. We cannot. Even, even if I was a high priestess, which she might be, I can't curse this place. God is protecting. So in the spirit realm, there's a wall of fire around us. We are blessed. But then the doctrine of Balaam was, then later on he told Balak, but I have a plan. You can't curse them. But you can get them to be cursed. Get the Moabite woman to seduce the men. That they commit adultery and sexual immorality. And the result was a plague spread through Israel. 23,000 people died. Because of the curse that came upon them. Because of their own actions. Do you see it? That's how the enemy works. He cannot, he cannot curse you. He cannot destroy your life. He has no power. He has no authority. He has no access unless you take the bait. And he pulls you into a place of disobeying God. So, so how I basically would see it, but in that verse, it says there, to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. So there are certain teachings that's like you're putting a stumbling block. 
like that. That's a stumbling block. Okay, you're going to fall over it. So there are certain teachings that would, that would set you and me up to fall into sin and sinfulness. And one of the biggest areas where, where there's a current teaching that is setting up a lot of people is called the, um, the, the, the doctrine of hypergrace. I don't know if you've heard of it. But hypergrace says basically God has already forgiven your sins, past, present, and future. So it doesn't matter how you live, you're already forgiven. No, that's not grace. That's deception. What is grace? Grace is empowerment to live on a higher plane. Grace is empowerment to live a level of holiness that you never imagined possible for you. Because holiness is freedom. Holiness is freedom. You're no longer addicted to nonsense. You can decide by the Holy Spirit how you're going to live. You are not drawn away by darkness. Hyper grace says, man, God doesn't really, God doesn't have an issue with sin. There's grace. Have you heard that? There's grace. No, that's not how it works. Grace is empowerment to overcome sin. So in other words, when you're battling, you're being tempted, you're struggling in an area of your life, all you need to say, God, I know you've overcome sin, and I know you're calling me to live on a higher plane of purity and holiness to be truly, truly free. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, come alongside me. Holy Spirit, bring the Word of God alive to me that I may hide your Word in my heart that I might not sin against God, because that's how it works. But the enemy wants to come and tell us, hey, no issue. So some years ago, there was a guy in church, I shared at the men's camp, I think as well. He was uh, listening a lot to Joseph Prince. Now, Joseph Prince errs a little bit to the hyper-grace side. There's a lot of good stuff. But he errs a little bit also. He, he goes to think that God has already forgiven your sins in the future. No, no, you need to repent. If you sin, you need to repent. You say, God, forgive me. Repent. And so this guy was listening to, um, to, to Joseph. And I was saying, man, I don't think, rather leave Joseph Prince for now. If you're battling with guilt and condemnation and legalism, Joseph is a machine. He's going to help you to be set free with it. Okay. But you need to have a little bit more of the fear of God upon your life. So then John Bevere is a good option. Some people call him John Severe. <laughs> and the Bible says, knowing the goodness and the severity of God. You need to know both parts. He's love, but he's also holy. You need to know both, otherwise you're going to miss it. Too much of the fear of God, you'll fall into legalism and, 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 and condemnation. Too much of only love, and you're going to go into license. You're going to just do, oh, God loves me, so who cares? He loves you. But he wants you to live a holy life, otherwise you will be cursed. And the enemy will have legal access into your life. So I told this middle 25-year-old young man, I told him, man, I think leave Joseph for now. John Bevere is <laughs> your man. He's going to help you to get a bit of fear of God into your life. On the men's camp, I shared the Sunday morning about the fear of God. And I was surprised how many, because we asked them in the groups afterwards, okay, guys, talk about your, how much of the fear of God do you have in your life? On, on a scale from zero to ten, ten being maximum fear, where are you at? A whole lot of guys said, zero. I have no fear. I have no fear for God. That is unbelievably dangerous. You're going to find yourself in trouble. And this young man, 25-year-old, to play out the whole game, visiting prostitutes, um, messing up his life, 
few years later, he left and he went another part of, 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 of our nation. And I got the message from his parents. He committed suicide. Guys, that's how it plays out. When you don't have sufficient fear, holy reverence for who God is and what his commands are, it starts one degree off and ultimately it leads to destruction. We need to lift higher God's word. Even if you don't understand it, believe it. Even if you don't agree at first, can you feel that's a bit too harsh? It's his word. He's the creator God of heaven and earth. Some random point. So I'm also praying earlier this week, and this one word comes up, Wakanda. And I think, man, I'm Marvel freak. Stop it. I'm Wakanda, Wakanda. So I go and search Wakanda. It means, it's for certain tribes, it means God and creator. He is our creator God. He's our creator God. He has the right to say what goes, what does not go. But he's a loving father, and he wants to show you the best way. This is where you're going to find life. This is where you're going to be blessed. So that verse speaks about sexual immorality. And, you know, sometimes when we look at the Bible, we think God is just anti a whole lot of stuff. He is anti-sexual immorality. He's not anti-sex. He made it as a gift. He's just saying, guys, in this way, this is the environment where you will be blessed. Married. So I was giving high fives to Carl yesterday. Carl and Latasha got married yesterday. And they waited until wedding day before being intimate. And I was just I was just going, man, high five, brother, have fun. It's gonna be an awesome week. It's gonna be an awesome week. No guilt, no shame, no feeling like a dog. No feeling God pulls away. You're going to be God is blessing this. He's the author of sexual intimacy. He made it as a gift to a man and a woman who loves one another and is married before him. It is beautiful. Amen. God isn't anti. He's for in the right context. It's beautiful. Something, I tell you, there's something beautiful about this. I've seen this over the years. There's something about people who wait. They say, man, we love one another. We're going to wait until we are married, and then we're going to have sexual intimacy. It is epic. Eh? I told my wife, it was the best week of my life. Praise God. But there was temptation. There was temptation the year before Sonic and I got married, they were temptation to step over the boundaries, to step over the lines. And I knew God is saying, don't go there. It's going to mess up your marriage. It's going to mess up your relationship. God loves you no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone off track. He loves you. He wants to wash you clean. But you need to focus all your energy, all your passion in the right direction. That's how you raise the standard. If you are married... And the enemy is coming to knock on your door to look other places, to other men or other women. How do you solve that temptation? Focus all your energy on your spouse. Love him or her more. Do more. Invest more. Be more passionate about your partner than before. Focus all your energy compared to, no, don't, no, don't, no, don't. Just, just love better. Amen. Praise God. So, that doctrine says that stumbling block, these false doctrines, let's not, we are not going to reduce the standards of God's word because it's convenient. 
ultimately we lose. Last verse is ending up with this. Revelation 2, verse 16 to 17. So there it says, repent. New Testament, book of Revelation, repent. Turn. Turn from your sinful ways. Turn from your compromise. Turn from lowering God's standard and saying, but oh, we love one another. You know, we're going to get married in any case. No. You're going to miss out. Will we love you? Yes. We will love you. No matter how you live, doesn't matter what you do. Again, this week, spoke to a lady, and she was like, I haven't seen her quite a while in church. And I was like, man, how's it going? And then she said to me, uh, we're pregnant with boyfriend. And I just replied, say, I, God loves you. We love you. No child is a mistake. Every child is a gift from God. You are welcome. God loves you. But every time we disobey God, you hurt yourself. You hurt yourself. All of us here would know the pain of disobeying God. It is a terrible place to be. But the freedom of being in His will gives you such a confidence to come before God. You know, when I, when my everything is lack of focus, my heart is united, I'm in good space with God, I'm spending time in the Word, in the Spirit, and in worship, I'm like, come on, where are the dead people? Let's raise them in Jesus' name. I'm like, anything can happen. I have such a confidence before the throne of God. But when you compromise, you have no confidence. You lose your confidence. You draw away from God. But the good news is when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And His love is greater than guilt and condemnation. And He wants to wash you clean and restore you. Amen. Come on, let's say God loves me. Amen. So it says, repent, turn. Or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with a sword of my mouth. In other words, he's saying, I have given you my word. If you disobey my word, you're going to have pain and disappointment and shame and guilt and more pain and more pain. And then he says, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes temptation. To him who keeps on standing strong in the will of God despite temptation, despite the enemy knocking on the back door. The one who keeps on overcoming and pursues God and goes higher up that mountain where the enemy can no longer touch them. He who overcomes. He, I, will, I will give some of the hidden manna to it. And for me, the hidden manna just speaks of God's word from heaven. The word of God is going to come alive to you. He's going to feed you like never before. It's beautiful. And I will give him a white stone, and a stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So God's going to speak over you who you really are. I want to speak this over every person in this house right now. If you found yourself in a place of compromise, if you found yourself in a place of committing sin or giving into the temptations of the enemy, you are better than that. You're better than that. God has called you to live on a higher level. A higher plane. No longer they're in the midst of the darkness and the muck. He's calling you higher and into his presence. You are no longer a sinner if you've committed your life to Jesus. You're a saint. You're better than this. Come on, let's say, I'm better than this. You are. And he loves you. So much. So I want to just quickly highlight a few ways that you can. Just want to put that up there. Practical ways. Raising the standard. Just, you can put all of them on there. Repent, repent, turn. 
Just admit it. Say, God, I've, I've, I've lowered your standard. I want to I raise the standard again. So start there. Then know that temptation is your invitation to move higher in God. In other words, if you're feeling divided, if you're feeling you're struggling, hold on, just turn off the TV a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe not go and read so many of this or do so many of that and just focus your energy into the Word of God. It is so fulfilling. There's a reward waiting for you that will blow your mind. You see, I have learned we always win in the kingdom of God. We always win. This is the nature of the kingdom of God within us. The kingdom within us is greater than the kingdoms of this world. Even via temptation, it, it, it reminds me I am weak. Even when we succumb to sin, it reminds me that Jesus is the Savior and He washes us clean and He is good. And I am weak, but He is strong. You can always win if you handle it right instead of allowing guilt and condemnation to, to enter in. You are able to overcome when God's word reigns in you. Don't feed your flesh, feed your spirit. If you feed your flesh too much, it will turn on you like a monster. You will have no self-control and you will go down the wrong paths. So declare war on your flesh. Speak to your flesh, say, hey, I'm going to feed you less. I'm experiencing way too much temptation. There's way too much struggle and division in my heart. Lord, forgive me for feeding my flesh too much, but I declare war on my flesh. Flesh, I'm going to feed you less. I'm going to crucify you. I'm going to fast up. I'm going to feed my spirit that will just draw me higher. Come on, I say, I'm going to feed my spirit. Come on, there's an invitation right now to move higher by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then quickly, just how do you consume God's Word? How do you practically do it? You need to have time in the Word. You need to read the Word of God. You need to obviously even starting off, you need to value the Word of God. It's, God's Word is holy. It will stand for all of eternity. Believe it with all your heart. Meditate on the Word of God. Let it fill your heart and mind. Memorize key scriptures. Pray scripture back to God. Saying, Lord, I thank you, God, that I am more than a conqueror through you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, I thank you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to raise up a standard. Pray it back to God with passion. Proclaim his word over your life and you're going to find your atmosphere within you and around you is going to change. Put promise, promises up on the walls in your house. Remind yourself every night before you go to bed. That's what Sonic and I did when it was those years that she couldn't hardly sleep. We just put the, the promises on, our, on our, our wall in front of our bed. And every night, we pray together and we proclaim, God says, God says, God says, God says, God says. And we broke through. If you don't have a promise, you're going to sink down into the muck. If you have a promise and you hold on to it, it's going to take you higher. Come on, let's say it. I'm going higher. Amen. Jesus wants to lift you higher. Amen. Please stand with me. I want to pray for us. We serve a loving Father, loving Heavenly Father, who never rejects, who always is calling us closer, always wanting to draw us closer, no matter what is happening in our lives. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.